Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. In the book of Lamentations, chapter 1 and verse 12, we read these poignant words prophetically spoken in reference to the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. And this is what he said, Is it nothing to you which pass by? What a pitiful cry from the suffering Savior. There is almost a sense of disbelief in the question, how could anyone possibly pass by and not be affected by the scene before them? And yet sadly, in its fulfillment, That is exactly what men and women did. They passed by the cross with absolutely no emotion, no conviction, and no care whatsoever. Yes, some stood and stared, possibly expecting some miracle to take place. Others, they actually sat down and gambled at the foot of the cross. And what about today? Are men's reactions any better? Have you been passing by the cross without a second thought? Millions in the world know something about Christ and the fact that he died upon the cross, and even that he died for sinners. But basically, it is nothing to them. There has been no response in their hearts to the loving sacrifice of Christ on the cross of Calvary. In today's message, evangelist Mr. Marvin Dirksen takes up this statement, Is it nothing to you? In the hope that our listeners will make it something to them. That they will realize that what took place at Calvary was for them and that they would rush to the Savior for the salvation of their souls. Indeed, time is short, life is uncertain, and the Lord could return at any time. Have you come to appreciate Christ's death on your behalf? If not, listen further to what took place on Calvary for Sinners. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 27. And you'll quickly see that this involves a place called Calvary. It takes us to the cross. And I want to notice just three postures here, but we'll read at verse number 33 of Matthew chapter 27. And when they were come unto a place called Golgotha, that is to say, a place of a skull, they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall. And when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him and parted or divided his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them and upon my vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down, they watched him there. Verse 39, And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests mocking him with the scribes and elders said, He saved others. Himself he cannot save. Just down to verse number 47. Some of them that stood there, when they heard that, said, This man calleth for Elijah. And straightway, immediately, one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him a drink. The rest said, Let be. Let us see whether Elias will come to save him. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain 
from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. Now, I want to look at one question back in the Old Testament, the book of Lamentations. In view of what we have just finished reading, I'd like to look at Lamentations chapter 1, just at verse number 12. Is it nothing to you, all ye that pass by? Behold and see if there be any sorrow like unto my sorrow, which is done unto me, wherewith the Lord hath afflicted me in the day of his fierce anger. From above hath he sent fire into my bones, and it prevaileth against them. It's really verse 12 that I'd like to look at. Is it nothing to you, all ye that pass by? You might say tonight, what is the prophet writing about? Obviously, there's an object, and people are passing by that object. And the big question is, is there no response? How does it affect people? Is it nothing to you, all ye that pass by? And the person is saying, behold, and see if there be any sorrow like unto my sorrow. With the Lord hath afflicted me in the day of his fierce anger. We have read tonight about a place called Calvary, Skull Hill. We understand that Skull Hill is a, is a rock face just outside the city wall of Jerusalem with indentations of the rock, and from what I understand, it looks like a skull. It's a place of capital punishment. It's a place of execution. So anybody going to Skull Hill wouldn't be coming back. What we have read tonight in Matthew chapter 27 tells us some of the responses of people there. We've read the, the simple phrase, sitting down. They watched him there. So the first thing they did was they, they actually sat down. And they were watching him. I'm not sure why they were watching him or what they were expecting. Perhaps some might have been expecting some kind of a miracle that he might actually come off the cross. And so they were scrutinizing. Sitting down, they watched him there. There's another group that we have read about just two or three verses later. They that passed by. They that passed by. And they were kind of shaking their fists and pointing at him and yelling insults, jeering at him. Look, he, he claimed to be able to save others. He can't even save himself. And they passed on. Then we read about those that were standing there, standing there. So sitting, passing, and standing. You say, why is that so important? Well, what we have read about in Matthew chapter 27 involves the greatest event in the history of this world. Oh, you say, that's quite a statement. There's been a lot of huge events. Well, that's true. This is the greatest without any shadow of doubt. You might not think that, but this is the greatest event in the history of this world. Not only is it the greatest event, but it's eternity's greatest issue. Because you see, what you do with that event and with the person on that middle cross will determine where you will be forever. It's really that pointed. It's eternity's greatest issue. And of course, it comes right down to the individual's greatest response. So I want to look at this question. I'm not sure that this question is frequently asked, but it's an important question because tonight you will do something with the man upon that middle cross. And if you were to come to understand what he did there was for you and for your sins, my, if, if you were to receive him and to thank him, you could leave this meeting with everlasting life. This would be a great meeting, a great meeting. What you do with him will determine where you will be forever. But I'm afraid that there might be some people even in our audience tonight, and you will hear about it, you will consider Christ, and then you will pass by. 
Interestingly, when you look at the Bible, you understand that we're surrounded by realities that are passing. Some people get very melancholy when it comes to the fall months. Beautiful time of year, but you know, we're heading into cold, long winter. Not everybody likes fall. Springtime comes and, uh, boy, the flowers come out and the snow disappears. The roads get clear. Temperatures rise. Everything is sunny side up. But seasons pass, don't they? It's a reminder that we too are living in a passing creation. A passing creation. This world seems to be so, so solid, so secure. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that heaven and earth, heaven and earth is going to pass away. Now we have a hard time with that, don't we? Because this little speck of sand that we know as our earth has been here a long time. And it's just a very small part of a huge galaxy, one of billions of galaxies. In fact, when you think of the vastness of creation, it boggles your mind. If we could travel the speed of light, that's pretty fast, 186,000 miles per second or 300 million meters per second, it would take us 1.3 seconds to get to the moon. You're there. Going the same speed, it would take us four more years to get to the nearest star beyond our sun. Four years going the speed of light. A vast, vast creation. And yet the Bible says, the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The book of Hebrews tells us, all of this shall wax old as a garment and as a vesture, as a vesture shalt thou fold them up. You say, what does that mean? Well, when I read that verse, I can't help but go back to a childhood memory because my mother, I think we eventually got a, a clothes dryer, but for years we didn't have one. She always put it out on the line, big long sheets and all kinds of things. And I well remember my mother going out to the line, sometimes in the middle of winter or in the summer, and she'd take the clothespin off and she'd put the blanket or the sheet over one arm and then she'd take another one off and she'd, she'd just keep folding it up. This large sheet became very small. It was all draped over my mother's arms. That's the little picture that I get, that one of these days, the mighty creator, God himself, is just going to fold up the vesture of his creation. It's passing. It's passing. But not just a passing creation, but we're linked with, with a passing course. We are not permanent creatures, are we? As far as this life is concerned, we are bumping along. And I know when you're young, it seems endless, but it's not. And before long, you hit your 30s and then your 40s, and then it keeps going in your 50s and your 60s. I don't know why it just starts to speed up. I mean, I think 24 hours is 24 hours, but the longer you live, the faster time goes. In fact, James said, what is your life? What is your life? He gives us the answer. Your life, it's a vapor. It's a vapor. It appears for a little time. And then it passes, it vanishes away. Just a vapor. It's not like a vapor, it is a vapor. You can't put your hand on, on a vapor, can you? It's, it's intangible. And that's a, just a little reminder of our life. Many times we think life consists of things and we get all the toys and all the things we can handle and touch. But that's not life. Our life is, is a vapor. Appears for a little time and then it's, it's gone. And one of these days, my dear friend, tonight, you and I will be gone. The big question is, gone where? So in the midst of this passing course of life, we are passing creatures, getting older, 
moving on toward eternity. And yet do I need to remind you that you don't have to be 75 to die. Well, remember there was a a young graduate, and as part of the celebration of getting through five years of whatever it was, he, he arranged a trip, and he got about 24 or 25 students to go along with him. This was the celebration trip. And they arrived on the island and uh, got settled in and were enjoying the sunshine. No more studies. Final exams were over. Graduation had taken place. The future was theirs. And the young man who had organized this getaway trip decided that he was going to try to see more of the island. So he hired a guide or whatever it was, and they headed out through the gates of the resort onto the island, the, the freeways or the highways there. And before that young man got back, he had been hit by a drunk driver, and his holiday and his life came to an end. Graduation trip, future was bright, but he didn't realize he was coming to the end of the course. That's life, isn't it? So uncertain, so brief at times. Somebody looked at our lives and, and, and the way we conduct ourselves, and they just said that, sadly, many times we get bored with childhood, and we rush to grow up. You remember when you were 13 and you wanted to be 19? You rush to grow up. And then when you do grow up, you, you really long to be almost like a child again. You, you want to go back. The man went on to say that many times we lose our health making money. And then we lose our money trying to regain our health. That uh, rings true with some of us. That sometimes health care is pretty expensive. And then he says, sometimes we live as if we'll never die. And then we die as if we've never lived. Sad, isn't it? That this brief span of time called life, that is passing, that is so brief, so uncertain, yet so full of meaningful opportunity, we find that we just pass by and fail to understand why we were made. Passing creation, passing creatures. I want to tell you tonight about a passing Christ. A passing Christ. We're here to tell you about a Savior who came into this world, not to be cloistered in some kind of a isolated area, but he came to pass by city streets. He came to pass through various cities and towns and villages. He passed by individuals personally. In fact, the Bible says on occasion, Jesus entered into Jericho and he passed by various ones. Zacchaeus, Bartimaeus. And I want to tell you tonight, he's passing again. By faith. No, we can't see him with these eyes. But when the gospel is preached, we're presenting a passing Christ. And there were those wonderfully that understood that he was the only one that was able to meet their need. He was the only one that was able to forgive their sins. He was the only one that was able to give them peace. And yes, he was the only one that could give them their eyesight or their hearing or whatever. He was the miracle worker. And there was those that availed himself of the, the great opportunity. Jesus passed by, and there's a, a blind beggar, and he begins to call out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And you remember what happened? Mark chapter 10. The crowd went over and said, Bartimaeus, be quiet. He's not interested in you. Ah, oh, this man understood that the only one that was able to meet his need was right alongside. He was passing, and he called out the more. I wonder if you realize that Jesus is passing by. What tremendous blessing. What tremendous opportunity. But there came a moment when his course was finished. When he was led out to Skull Hill. When he was lifted up on a cross. 
And what we have read in Matthew chapter 27 now came into view. You see, when the Savior's steps ceased, the sinner's steps passed by. And the question tonight is, is it nothing to you, all ye that pass by? I'm speaking to an audience tonight, and I believe most of you, if not all of you, have heard about Christ. You've heard about his journey to the cross. You've heard about his suffering there. The agony and the physical suffering are beyond description. We hardly want to go there because he was so abused, so ill-treated, so despised, so hated, so rejected. It's one thing to really demand the death of a murderer, of an out-and-out criminal, but to demand the death of a man who had only done good, who'd only spoken truth, who'd only shown grace, quite apart from the fact that he was and is the eternal Son of God. And yet the world said, away with him, away with him, we don't want him. And they got their wish. He was nailed to a cross, and now there's a passing crowd, a passing crowd. I wonder, does that describe you tonight? Heard about it? But it means really nothing to you. Oh, it's some religious account of Easter when he suffered. But it really has no personal value for you. You've never seen any value in the man who was lifted up on that middle cross. I think of the soldiers that were at the very base of the cross. They were rolling their dice, gambling for his clothing, absolutely callous as to what was going on just overhead. That's the world in which we find ourselves tonight. Callous, indifferent, couldn't care less. We're talking about the Son of God who's dying, humanly speaking, at that cross. Suffering, agonies untold. Is it nothing to you all, you that pass by? You say, well, what really happened there? I want to tell you tonight, it's not just a passing crowd, but something took place on that cross that involved your greatest need. You see, the Lord Jesus was on that cross suffering, not just from our hands, but he was suffering for our sins. Just put a circle around that word for. Suffering for our sins. You see, he had none of his own. He was absolutely perfect, spotless, lived 33 years, scrutinized by everybody, and there wasn't one person that could find a flaw in him. He's the impeccable Christ. What beauties. And yet there upon that cross, he was suffering as a substitute. He was taking our place. He was answering to the charges that were against us. And when I think of what took place there, I think, first of all, of the, of the distance. The distance. We didn't read his cry. Maybe we should have. Because the darkness came. And from the midst of that darkness, there came a cry. My God. My God. Why have you forsaken me? And in the words of the psalmist, he added, Why are you so far from helping me? And from the words of my roaring. You know, being forsaken was really nothing new for this man called Jesus. He'd been forsaken from the get-go. He grew up in a home and his half-brothers didn't believe in him. He grew up in a town that saw no beauty in him. He lived in a world that despised and rejected him. And the same is still true today. So it wasn't a new experience for him to be forsaken, but this was. Because, you see, he was addressing the holy God of heaven. And he says, why have you forsaken me? I wonder, do you have an answer? Do you know why he was forsaken? Why Calvary involved the greatest distance? Ah, oh, my dear friend, he was experiencing the judgment for our sins. 
And because God is holy, God turned away from the sin bearer. Not just distance, but darkness, darkness. And you know, when I think of the darkness of the cross, it was a physical darkness. There was the darkness that covered the whole earth, the Bible says. But I think of the darkness of the judgment of God. You see, hell is a place of darkness. The lake of fire is a place of darkness. And there upon that cross, he hung in the darkness because of our sins. I think of the load that was his. Isaiah 53 and 6 tells us the Lord laid on him, laid on him the sin of us all. That's what took place at the cross. It was a painful cross. And yet, in the words of Lamentations 1, the question is asked, is it nothing to you? Is it nothing to you, all ye that pass by? Have you ever understood the value of Calvary? Have you ever come to appreciate that he was dying there and suffering there just for me? I discovered that 45 years ago, a little upstairs bedroom in the city of London, Ontario. In fact, I could take you to the house, 516 Grosvenor Avenue. And there have been times I'll drive down Grosvenor and stop by that huge Tudor-style house. And I'll look up at that little bedroom window. And I'll bow my head and thank God again that it was there. I came to appreciate. He loved me. And he gave himself for me. If I could just put it this way. The question of Lamentations 1 is really a pleading cry, isn't it? It's almost a sense of bewilderment, of astonishment. Is it nothing to you, all you that pass by? Does it not move you? Has it not elicited a response from your heart? It's not that the Lord Jesus is looking for pity. No, no. But he's looking for a response of appreciation, of acceptance, of thanksgiving. And I trust tonight, as you are brought alongside of Calvary again, that you will understand He was there because of my sins. He was there paying my debt. And I trust tonight that you will receive him. And for the first time in your life, you will thank him personally. Thank you, Lord, for dying in my place. Yes, it is truly unbelievable that men and women walk past the cross in pursuit of their own desires in this life. And the Lord cries out, Is it nothing to you? We hope that you will stop where you are and consider the cross. Who is the man on the center cross? And why was he there? Whose sins was he dying for? And how does this apply to me? Well, let me answer these questions before we go. It was the Son of God on the cross. Yes, the very Son of God himself, and he was dying for sins so that sinners could be brought back to God. And yes, the gospel message is for you. It's for you personally. Have you received it? If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by believers in Christ who are meeting at various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday as well as other meetings such as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken and a very warm welcome awaits you. If you've been challenged by today's message, and would like to know more about the truth of the gospel, or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ following New Testament principles, take a look at our website 
at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the gathering center nearest to you. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that Christ alone is the anchor for the soul.